Shaq, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title? No, but I will with your wife. Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, is Kevin McLernan. We also have a special guest with us today. He was with us, uh, I guess, a couple months ago, Shane Roxbury. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the 2017 NBA Finals. And more importantly, most of this podcast will be covering the NBA Draft, our big boards, and as you probably guessed, we're going to do a lot of Sixers talk as well. But guys, let's start out with the NBA Finals this year. I guess I'll start with you, Kev. What are your thoughts so far through the first two games? I mean, not much. I thought Golden State was going to win. I picked them in five, but I was really hoping for a good series and some close games. And through two games, we haven't gotten that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting a much closer series. I know with the addition of Kevin Durant, I also thought the Warriors would win. But again, not in this fashion, at least the way looking through two games. I think the series is going to change heading back to Cleveland. I think Cleveland will win at least one game there. Uh, I could see them winning both. They've looked horrible so far. And I think it was the point that you made before the playoffs started, Kev, that they hadn't played defense that well all season, and you said they couldn't turn it on. And I don't think it mattered in the first three rounds because the teams they played weren't that good. But it's starting to show up a lot in this series. Well, and they struggled against the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers, I I forget how many points they averaged in that series, but uh, defensively they really struggled against the Pacers. And, I mean, the Warriors are a much better offensive team than them. Yeah, that's certainly true. What are your thoughts so far in this series, Shane? They're just too much. The Warriors are just way too much. Um, the Cavs are worse at defense than they were last year. Um, the Warriors are obviously the, are, you know, a little bit uh, better offensively, a lot of it, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, if and they're just not going to get it done with with Kyrie shooting like that. Um, Jr. is supposed to be this lockdown defender. Um, Clay Thompson, he, Clay, Clay Thompson's making a huge impact, um, even though he's not showing up in the box score. Cleveland will probably take a game. If they're lucky, they take two. Um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, man. I guess it, it seems at this point that most people are thinking that the Cavs are pretty much out of it. That seems to be the way that everyone is talking about it. I mean, even after game one, a lot of guys that analyzed the sport were saying, you know, Cleveland is in a must-win situation for Game 2. It's amazing because last year, Cleveland was down 0-2, as we all remember. I think, though, I think one of the things that's a difference, obviously, is the addition of Kevin Durant and also just the dominance that's gone on so far. I just, I just don't think, and it's really not LeBron's fault, and I think it's ironic, I just saw this recently, that LeBron was complaining earlier in the year about not having enough help, and people were kind of mocking him and laughing at him and, and saying that he's 
being ridiculous, but at this point right now, it looks like he was absolutely correct on that. And I mean, the biggest thing for me is how good Kevin Durant has looked. I mean, he, I mean, obviously LeBron is turning the ball over more than he can if they want to win, but Durant looks like the best player on the floor right now. And they just have no answer for him in transition. I think, uh, I think LeBron was probably a little bit off when he said he needed another playmaker. I really think what LeBron needs is a guy who can, um, who just knows like the, the best thing to do. I mean, he, you give the ball to Kyrie and he has to, he has to go one-on-one. He has to ISO and he has to um, make himself that, you know, which he does often make himself a good look, but that's really, that's really what he's doing. I think LeBron needs someone who like him, but like to a lesser extent, just gets the ball and knows the best best play to do. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Without that, it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to see how they can match um, just the overall intensity that the Warriors are bringing. That's tough, though, because LeBron's arguably <laughs> I mean, he's got the highest IQ in the league, in my opinion. And I, mean, I, I see what you're saying. Somebody like that. And, I mean, they just have a bunch of role players right now playing alongside him, uh, besides Kyrie, obviously. But, I mean, in his one and or one on one, basically, is his role. Yeah, he, he's a little limited to that. I mean, even off the bench, someone who could just—I don't know—he's playing about forty minutes a game. Um, I think we have to remember that this is the first. Uh, this is the first series. This is the first finals, like actually good finals that Steph Curry's had. Um, he was pretty poor the last two finals. Um, so you add that in with the fact that they got Kevin Durant and it's it, that, I think that's why it seems overwhelming. It's, I mean, before Kerry was kind of having like, you know, he was this unanimous MVP, but he's having a mediocre finals. And it that is just not the case this year. He's arguably having just as good as a finals as Durant. Yeah. The thing is that, and the reason I thought it would just be too overwhelming is because the Warriors, they love to, to try to screen and they don't really roll or pop off of it that much. They screen and screen until somebody gets a mismatch or somebody finds themselves wide open. They use ball movement to do the same thing. But before, when you just had to worry about Steph and Clay, I mean, Clay's a great player, but he doesn't do too much off the dribble. You don't have to worry about him too much. If you have a half decent defender, they could probably stay in front of him. But with the three of those guys at one, two, and three, it's too much. It's too over overwhelming it's after 10 15 seconds of continuous screens somebody's going to be open for a three and it's just I don't know that anybody can stop them and it's one of those things that you're watching now where they're dominating one of the best players of all time the best player in the league right now it's not even close and you're starting to wonder if this team can stay together will they become an all-time great team I mean that's really what I think we're, we're looking at right now Yeah, I mean, if they continue the way they're playing, I mean, can go 16 and 0. I mean, obviously, I don't think it'll happen. I think Cleveland wins the game at least, um, but it you would have to consider them with an all-time great team. Yeah, obviously, no one's ever done that before. They've already done what no team has done before in the playoffs. Uh, currently sitting at 14 and 0. No one's ever done that uh, in one in one playoff uh, one run of the playoffs. Um, the other thing too, that we, we can't underestimate is I, I know how great LeBron is and how great Kyrie is. And obviously Kevin Love was there and no doubt, you know, the addition of Kevin Durant probably took some time for the Warriors to get used to, but Cleveland did add a lot of pieces this year, especially at the end of the year, this season, uh, Kyle Corver's playing a lot of minutes. Darren Williams plays a lot of minutes. They, they funneled some guys in and out. 
So I think some of the chemistry might not be there. But the other thing, too, is they're trying to keep up shooting with the Warriors. I I, I think even if they played better defense, that's still going to come down to them making threes. And Kevin Love and and Kyrie Irving, Darren Williams, whoever else on the team, they can go in and out of being really great three-point shooters. Corver's, you know, an all-time great spot-up three-point shooter but he's at the he's at the downside of his career it just no matter how hot they get I don't know that they could ever especially over a four five six game series ever match up with those three guys up front yeah Corver Corver's not getting um he's not getting any open looks um he's pretty good up you know he's an unbelievable off the catch but um he hasn't been really getting his shot and um I mean I said it the whole time I really was interested in seeing Seeing Houston play the Warriors, um, they're one team that I thought that, you know, on a fluky situation may have been able to outshoot the Warriors um, for a couple games and make it, uh, make it a, you know, a six-game series, six or seven. Um, but the Cavs are, you know, they start they started inside. They bang around a little bit. LeBron drives to the hole, and then everybody gets tired. They try to shoot themselves out of the deficit and um, gets out of hand. I think the other point you made about LeBron's minutes is great because people will complain about him resting during the season. And then, you know, they, they did a great job of getting to the to the finals. Obviously, a lot of people focusing on the Warriors doing it, being 12-0. and But they were 12-1, and which is still, I mean, excellent. Not that many teams have ever done that. A lot of teams have, but it's it's really exceptional to do that in the playoffs. To get to the finals, obviously, LeBron had a lot of rest, but... You know, he's getting a little bit older, and you can see that now because he's played a couple 40-minute games, and you can see towards the end he's tired. And that's just not that's not just minutes in this game or the last game. This is minutes logged over his career. This guy's logged more minutes than, you know, 99% of people that ever played in the NBA. So, you know, obviously there's some great guys that play longer, but he, he just played so many minutes, especially in the beginning of his career. That's one thing you have to look for going forward. I mean, how much can LeBron carry and it's looking like he can carry a lot but it's it's pretty obvious he can't carry and I'm not saying that just because if they're up against the Warriors it's just one man can't do that especially at this point in his career I think yeah it's I mean the last game game two uh really kind of showed how much work he's been doing because by I think it was towards the end of the third quarter you could you could see he was fatigued and usually you don't see LeBron like that yeah, I guess um, just a finishing touch, I just want to point out, too, that people always overlook the Warriors defensively because when somebody scores 120, 125 points, you usually don't think about that. But the, the, one of the things they're really good at is defense, and sometimes the other teams end up scoring 100 points or so just because there's so many possessions in the game. But that's because the Warriors end up creating turnovers and are so good on the fast break. That's the other thing that people often overlook with them. Yeah, I mean, Durant had, what, five blocks in game two. And, uh, I mean, everything at the rim they can test, whether it be Draymond um, or, or Durant or Zaza when he's in there, even though I hate when Zaza's in there. Do you guys have any finals, uh, final points on the finals before we move on to uh, the NBA draft? I mean, um, I don't think that – I mean, this Cavs team is not too flawed of a team. I think they still – I mean, LeBron with this team wins, you know, three out of his whatever championships, four maybe. You know, it might be one of the better teams that he's been on. Um, it just says a lot about the Warriors. I think they're probably the best team of all time. Um, and they can conceivably keep this together for the next two straight years, two and a half, season and a half. So, um, yep, it's uh, they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> 
my final thought would just be that even though they have blown uh, the Cavs out the first two games, I don't think it is over yet. Uh, I, I would still bet on the Warriors, uh, but I just yes, think it's over. Love it. <laughs> Keep the speculation going. Well, yeah, I mean, you can never count any team out. Um, obviously, you never wish for the situation, but there's always injuries. Remember that. Also, Draymond, um, although he claims in the recent press conference that he's not out of control, he does seem like at times he's out of control on the court. Um, so you, you never know if someone gets suspended or hurt, um, and that can change the whole face of, of the series. And maybe the Cavs somehow find some magic defense. I doubt it, but I'm with you guys. I'm keeping hopes alive for a great series. I think any true NBA fan um, should do the same. Uh, all right, let's let's go ahead and move on to the big board, our big boards, and then uh, we'll finish up with some Sixers talk. I guess uh, Kev, we'll start with you. Who do you who do you have number one overall on your big board? I actually have Josh Jackson number one, um, and this isn't my Sixers centric board. I, I have him number one on my big board. Wow, I think that's pretty surprising. <laughs> I know Shane is definitely not going to agree with that. Um, oh. Go ahead, Shane. You, wow. <laughs> go ahead. Wow. Um, interesting. Uh, that changes my whole uh, perspective on this conversation that we're about to have. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I'll preface it all by saying, um, I mean, my regular big board is way, way different than the um, than what I'd like the Sixers to do. Um, talk about players. Oh, I'll talk about players on my big board, like as if they're really, really great. And then on my Sixers, it seems like I'm, I'm trashing them. Um, but, I mean, I think there's one player in this draft that has no glaring weaknesses, um, one player that I think can be elite, you know, first, second, second probably option on the team. Um, and that happens to be the same person. That's Marco Fultz. Um, I think he's really good. Um, high floor. Um, he could be, I think, floor like a McCollum. Um, and then he can even easily be better than that, um, you know, on the defensive end and even the playmaking side. So, yeah, Marco, number one. Yeah, I also have Markel another number one. Uh, I just think he has probably the most potential, if not tied for the most potential, with one other player. Uh, I just think like right now his game is that he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, he might grow a little bit more. He's still pretty young. Um, I mean, he's definitely got some stuff to work on. I think that you know he, his defense could improve a little bit. Uh, but like you said, Shane, there's not too many weaknesses in his game, and most people are really high on him as well. I guess the question is, Kev, what makes Josh Jackson for you the the player to pick over Fultz? Well, I'll preface it by saying that I have Fultz too, and it's very close. So um, I just I like Josh Jackson's uh, ability on both ends rather than Fultz. And not that Fultz doesn't have the capability, but I think Josh Jackson has is right now and has the potential to be a much better defensive player. Um, and I think his shot is, is fixable, and I think it can translate to the NBA. Yeah, I think I agree. Jackson's a better defender right now. The shot is really strange. He starts out shooting from a really low point on his body. We've seen it work for guys in the NBA before. Sean Marion comes to mind, although Jackson's is a lot prettier than, than that. I don't want to compare it completely to that. Um, you say it's fixable. Do you, think, do you really think so, and do you think Ooh. that's easy? No, I think it'll take at least three or four years for him to be a good shooter. Um, but I, I think once he gets it going, because he really improved throughout this uh, season at Kansas too. So um, I think he'll be more than an above average. I won't say great three-point shooter at the next level, but I think he's going to be good. Do you have any concerns over – I saw some things when I was reading up on this stuff that – 
some teams have slight concerns because he's he's pretty high on everyone's board. Slight concerns over some emotional issues, maybe some incidents that may or may not have happened around campus. Do you worry about any of that kind of stuff with him? I don't know. I just think he's 17, 18 year old or whatever he was when he did that and just stupid. So I I think he's going to grow up. Yeah. I mean, none of it, it didn't look like was very serious. So uh, I think I'm with you there. Um, I guess let's move on unless, yeah, let's, let's move on to uh, number two who we have there. Kev, you already, you said you had Fultz there, but if you want to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what you like about him. Yeah. I mean, basically what you guys said, I mean, the guy can score uh, great uh, in the pick and roll. Um, my problem is defensively, and I mean, he, he just seems like a player, kind of like Kyrie. Some of my concerns um, a couple of years ago with Kyrie about him just putting up points, not really caring on the other end. Yeah, I just I think effort's definitely a question mark. I do wonder though with with that if it's uh, more of him just taking it easy at the college level, also playing for a losing team. Although that says something about your overall work ethic probably, but I wonder how much of that will, will translate to the NBA. Who do you have it to Shane? I, I love Josh Jackson from the beginning of the year. Um, I love his type of player. Um, and I, I like Kansas. Um, I like him, you know, six, eight athletic explosive wing. Um, dude can defend pass rebound cut. Um, but I mean, it's just a shot. Uh, he shot. It was a mo. I don't know. It was either thirty-six or thirty-eight percent from three this year. But um, I think. I mean, at one point it was as low as like twenty-seven percent, and I think his attempts went way down. Um, I think he made a total of zero contested threes all year. Um, I don't even think. I mean, his shot looks busted. Um, but from shot to shot, it looks like he has a different form. Um, he shoots from a low point. He brings the ball lower off the catch, which drives me insane. Um, he's a really high, high level IQ athlete. Um, so you hope that like in three or four years, I, I think his ceiling might be an average, might be an average NBA shooter. And I hope so. And I hope he does well. Um, I'd have him too. Um, on Sixers, I have him like six. <laughs> you just but, had to um, get that in there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I do like him, and um, he, I think he would bring to the Lakers at two something that they really need is a lot of defense because um, right now they're a little poor in that. But they have Ingram, so um, it's probably not even an option. But, yeah, Josh Jackson, too. 37.8 from three. Um, but the, the real question is, why is he shooting 56% from the free throw line? Yeah, that, even, I shoot even full shots, 65%. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, change yeah, your. That po- was, Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, I'm gonna. Talk, I'll talk about De'Aaron Fox a little bit. Um, he's my next player. Um, I guess I'll just do this real quick. But um, De'Aaron Fox, I think. I mean, he has the same concern as Jackson, um, but I think he shot 73 percent from the line. Um, I'm not sure if he has like the the strength to develop like a a really good three point shot, but um, I mean, his 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 percentage from the line. Um, and, uh, you know, the type of player he is, I think he'd develop a mid-range game in for that position. That's pretty good. But um, Jackson just looks broken all over. 56% is, I mean, I, I could, I might not even shoot 56%, but it's around there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you said about Jackson. I actually, at number two, my, my big board is pretty boring. I have Lonzo there. 
Um, I don't see him ever being much of a scorer, but his basketball IQ is really high. I think he'll be a really good rebounder from his position. I think he could be a high assist guy. Um, and I think he has a lot of potential just because of where his IQ is. Um, he's pretty athletic. Uh, also, I do wonder about his overconfidence. I think confidence and a little bit of overconfidence is helpful. You need it to be great in the NBA. I mean, I I can't think of any player really that's not kind of cocky. That's really great in the NBA. It's hard to get to that level without that attitude, but at the same time, it can hurt you. Um, it causes him maybe to force some things, make some turnovers on plays he thinks he can make. Um, but I think it'll all come with time. I just think that there's a lot of upside with him. I don't see him being that good immediately. He probably needs to add some meat on his bones, but I think as far as the ceiling is, he, he can be a great player. Um, all right, let's move on to number three. Uh, Shane, you talked a little bit about Malik Monk, or no, I'm sorry, De'Aaron Fox at number three. Kev, who do you, who are you taking at number three? I also have Fox, yeah. I mean, j- just like Shane said, I, I kind of like his form, but he, he is an awful shooter right now. Um, maybe put on uh, some muscle and the, the shot will come. Um, but crazy athletic and seems like he really cares, um, and that's what makes uh, – good pros because if they keep carrying they'll, they'll stay in the gym so i have jack yeah, he's fast as shit he is he's really quick he's got a long wingspan he's good d um i think the only keep thing keeping him from being in number one talks is that shot um and i guess everything else he brings to the table you can kind of live with that until it develops um he'd be a good fit on a lot of teams a lot of nba teams so um so for me at number three, I have Josh Jackson. Obviously, we just covered him a whole bunch. Um, I, the only thing I probably would add, and I guess you guys having him uh, up at number two, um, number one, is that I think he's the most underrated player in the draft right now. He's getting some talk, but not a lot of talk at the number one spot. But you guys both have him higher than me. So I guess I would agree with you in some um, respects with that. I just think the other two guys have a little bit more potential. Um, all right, so I guess we can move on to number four. Kev, who do you have there? I have Lonzo. Lonzo at four. Um, just like you said, a great IQ. Uh, will be great in transition, but a lot of questions about the half court and that shot. Uh, supposedly he's working on uh, his shot, uh, the way that he releases it. But, I mean, when he's driving to the right, he, he has to shoot it. Or he has to go to the rim because he can't shoot. Uh, and pull up the way he does uh, release the ball now. So that, that's my biggest concern for him. Kev, um, I thought when we, when you said Josh Jackson first, that we were going to have like very different boards, but um, I'm <laughs> right in line with you here. Um, yeah. Alonzo, he, I think he's, I think he can be really good. Um, Bill, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it might take a little bit. I think it's going to, I think it's going to really depend on where he goes. Um, he'll probably shine. He'll probably, um, probably do pretty pretty well in the spotlight um just because he kind of has is used to it um and he'll probably have a smaller learning curve when it comes to that um high iq passing height length um i think the defense will come around because it is really there he's got a lot of potential to be a real pest in the passing lanes um so yeah lonzo for it i i you know and i kind of hope he does well um in spite of his father uh, yeah, I mean, it was going to be pretty hard for me to resist, uh, bringing that up. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, it's been such a, a big deal and it's funny cause it's one of those things that 
people say, oh, I don't like this guy and this, that, and the other, but then people put him on TV and the ratings go through the roof. So um, it's one of those things like you don't really realize what you want. Um, it's just interesting because he's obnoxious and it's it's kind of funny. I, I don't get frustrated by it because I just think the guy's ridiculous and um, you know, I just think it's awesome when people hate somebody so much for a seemingly little reason other than maybe taking some of the spotlight from his son. Um, but do you guys, I, I know Kevin, and I talked about this. I don't think on the air ever before, but do you guys have any concern, um, for Lonzo going forward with his dad's involvement as far as, you know, the team and chemistry and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think we talked about it in the one podcast. I, I don't, I, I think his dad's going to calm down. Um, I mean, he's, he's got two other sons that he's got to be this loud for, um, that are, are still in high school and college. So I think he'll kind of back off and go towards them once, once Lonzo starts. Um, I don't know, but I don't think, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's something that you, um, I mean, you got to take, I know you've taken absolutely everything into account, um, when you're, when you have a high draft pick, especially in a draft like this, when the next player that you miss out or you made a mistake that could have really missed out on a good player. Um, but I think, I think what he brings kind of, um, it mitigates the, the concerns with that. I think, all right, we'll live with it. Um, there's some teams that he's going to go in being the second or third option. Um, so you got to hope that when he gets to the NBA, um, his dad can live with that. And if not, um, that it's just not, you know, too much of a distraction going in. All right, so um, rounding this out, my number four, I guess that I believe this leaves us with the same four first guys in a different orders. Um, I have De'Aaron Fox. Uh, he's an athletic guy. He's a playmaker. You guys already touched on it. The jump shot's a question mark, but he does have a knack for scoring, average 16.7. The thing for me that's impressive is that he's 6'4", and he averaged 4.6 rebounds, 4 assists, so the guy can really fill up the stat sheet. Um 6'4 is not the biggest, but he's going to be probably playing some point guard, so it's probably plenty big enough. Uh, this guy, I could see being taken as high as, you know, two. One would kind of probably surprise me at this point, but he's going to be, I think he's going to be a great NBA player. Um, at number five, uh, I have Jonathan Isaac. Um, who do you guys have? I thought this is where uh, we were going to start straying, but I also have Jonathan Isaac. I mean, his defensive ability. Um, I, I see him as a four at the next level. Uh, I don't think he's going to be quick enough to cover threes, but he can probably switch on to threes if he has to. Yeah, I, I mean, Isaac's my five. I love Isaac. I really, really love Isaac. I think he's like Brandon Ingram with, more of a, with a more of a defined role. And I think kind of what you said there, Kev, um, more of a defined role being he's like, he's a little bit, I think he's a little bit bigger um, both height wise and like thickness. Um, so put him on the four. He can switch on to the three. If the two is unathletic, he might even be able to switch on to them. Um, he's really big. He has quick feet. Um, he can, he has a pretty, pretty shot, um, which he showed he, he know, he's a really good mid range game. And I think eventually he'll develop that corner three. And I think he's going to be the perfect, you know, really good defensive stretch four. um, has a like a good um he's got a good jump to the basket i don't know about his handle uh, i think that might have to come along he might have a good like one step cut um but you know put him out there at the floor let him watch kevin garnett videos um he'll be great he'll be great on like 90 percent of nba teams 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with almost everything you just said. I mean, he's he's uh, he's pretty tall. I think he's listed at almost seven foot. He's got a wingspan of just over seven foot. So he's got some defensive versatility because he can move. He's pretty quick. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Shane, the thing that's really lacking is maybe refining some of his offensive skills, stepping out a little bit further, NBA three range, and then obviously dribbling and passing. But for a guy that's seven foot, um, to be that quick and being able to move and dribble the way he does already is pretty amazing. All right, so let's move to number six uh, right here. Uh, Kev, who do you have at number six? Well, I am absolutely shocked that Shane doesn't have this guy higher. And if I have him <laughs> higher on my board, uh, I don't know what to say, but I have, I have Malik Monk at six. Oh. Go ahead. I mean, he, he's, he's a great scorer. Uh, he'll be able to shoot the next level, and you know what he's going to be. I, I don't think he has superstar potential, but uh, you know what you're going to get with Monk. <sighs> okay, I have um that's funny. I have Dennis Smith at six. Um so I have Malik Monk lower than Kev has him, which is a surprise to both of us. Um <laughs> on my big board. On my big board. Um uh I say I'm I I I start to say I'm low on this draft. Um but I it's not really true. I'm just low on the surefire like elite stars, which I limited to I thought faults. But um Smith, you know, you, I mean, you probably have read and heard all of the the he score at all levels, and they mean that um, he might be a little bit of an underrated distributor. Um, his big question is defense, um, effort, and he's he's he doesn't have the biggest wingspan. Um, I'm I'm not really too sold on the ball dominant um, point guards who like aren't like lockdown um, shooters like Steph, uh, but um, he's. Smith is kind of like a Steve Francis in like, but like the NBA right now, um, rather than when Steve Francis played, he's like, um, the NBA right now is like much more concerned about efficiency and, um, they just don't like shot jackers and analytics and all like the, the rating, the on and off ratings. And the NBA is much more aware of that now. So I think he's like Steve Francis kind of in like a much more hyper logic NBA, if that makes sense. So I'll hold back on um, my thoughts on, on Monk for a little bit, but I'm just going to get into a little bit of Jason Tatum. I, I think he has the potential to be good. Uh, I, I don't see him being more than more than that. Uh, he's got a... Six. Yeah. He's got a nice uh, he's offensive repertoire inside the three. Uh, he's a little bit slow for my liking. I'm not sure if that's something that he can work on too much. Uh, I think he'll just be a solid player. I think he's a safe bet. He's got good size and all that stuff, but I'm not, I'm not too excited about him, so we can move on. Uh, who do you guys have at number seven? Uh, I'm still just kind of shocked that I have Monk higher than you guys, um, but I have Dennis <laughs> Smith at seven. And basically everything Shane said. Uh, I mean, strengths and weaknesses, um, not a great shooter. That, that's the biggest problem, and that's why he's down uh, this far. But, I mean, I think he has the ability to become that. Uh, he's just got to work on it. I liked uh, I liked Smith shooting a little bit more. He was okay from the line. Um, and he was in the mid-30s, I think, um, for a sh- for his beyond the arc. And um, it might have been on decent. It looks okay. I, I, I have pretty I have some faith in Smith Scott um, much more than I have probably Jackson and Fox, but seven opposite of that Malik Monk, um, that man's shot is just ripping wet. Um, his, he was 40% from three, 82% from the line. 
Um, he took six or seven threes a game. Um, the nylon calculus had him at 40% by year three in the NBA. Um, I think his defensive problems are going to be mitigated by the fact that he's going to be defending ones. Um, if you really want him to be like a full impact player, you're going to want Meek Monk um, defending point guards, smaller point guards, because he is undersized, like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, um, but he can get in the face, and you, when he showed effort, he was a defender. Um, I have Monk at 7, which is a lot different than um, we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but if he can guard ones, um, he'll just be a dripping wet shot. He'll be a good player. So maybe have him cover ones when you have maybe like a 7-foot point guard? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he will just excel in places like Milwaukee Bucks, and that's the only place I can think of with seven foot point seven foot point guard that I would want him on. Not definitely not a, another team than that. <laughs> uh, I also have Monk at number seven. Uh, I really struggled between him and Tatum between six and seven. I could go either way, I guess, there. He's really explosive. I think he has the potential to to put up a lot of points on the right team. Um, but I, no matter where he goes, I think he'll always uh, be able to score the basketball. I'm with you guys. You know, he's a little undersized, and his defense is is questionable. But I always think defense is something that's fixable as long as the guys are willing to put some effort forth. Um, that obviously remains to be seen. So that would be my biggest question mark with him because I don't think he's a good enough of an offensive player possibly to play defense, especially if he's not going to play defense, especially at his size. So that would probably be my biggest question mark um, with him. Um, let's move to number eight. I think we're going to stop um, at number eight. Who do you guys have there? I have Tatum at eight. Um, like you talked about, uh, he can shoot. Uh, my problem is when he steps outside of the mid range. Um, I mean, the problem was he didn't get to do too much at Duke. Um, as much as he could have, uh, just because Kennard and Grayson Allen dominated the ball. So uh, I think he probably has more potential than I think he does, uh, but uh, I'm just not sure how he fits in today's NBA. Yep, Tatum. Um, I struggled between Tatum for eight and nine, actually. Um, I, I like Tatum a lot less than seems like everybody likes him, um, but I, my concerns are the same. Seems stuck between a three and a four, um, like that weird tweener, um, which, and you said he's slow. I, I mean, if he's on the wing or even if he's, will he be able, will he be quick enough to make that first step, create his own shot? Um, his shot, you know, we, we saw, I think someone posted a nice empty gym video of him jacking up shots, um, uh, but form didn't look great. And, um, I think Philadelphia fans in, in particular are used to seeing empty gym videos, um, and relying solely on that, uh, for, for comfort <laughs> for, you know, many, many years. Um, and I'm, I'm not sold on his. Are you saying that we're, uh, we're all empty gym experts now? We are, we, we, that is all we've had. So we had no choice in the matter, but to be experts with empty gym videos and Ben Simmons is our A plus. Um, all right, so just to wrap things up, my eight was uh, Dennis Smith. Uh, I think the guy's really, really good, but I, I think he's just way too small. I, I, I've seen him listed at a couple of different heights. I, he looks like he's maybe six foot. I, I think that's the biggest thing. He's just, he's just too small. You know how I feel about height in general when it comes to my NBA players, and 
I think the guy could be good. It's just the height thing that really um, made me slip him down to number eight. Um, if you're under six seven, get off my team. <laughs> that is my uh, yeah, that's my mo. But you might be surprised with my my Sixers list. At least one guy in there. Um, speaking of which, I guess let's let's get right to it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit right now about who we'd want our Sixers to take. So this is going to be a little bit different. Obviously, it's going to be a different order based on what we think fits with the Sixers' needs. Also, based on probably what we think the Sixers might have to give up or what they might get to trade back to get somebody. So I guess, Kev, I'll start with you. Who would you want number one, I guess, for the Sixers? Uh, I'm sticking with Jackson. Oh! <laughs> Oh, man. I think you fits along, uh, like I said, because I think that shot will develop. So I think in three years, playing alongside uh, Ben Simmons at point, uh, Jackson can play that wing and uh, be the the best wing defender on the team. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. We have time. I mean, I don't think anybody's watching the playoffs and finals right now thinking we really need to hurry up and get good. Um, but... Uh, Mark Alfalt, I think, is the absolute just if you could draw up a, a you know, a lottery player um for the Sixers to draft with what you think your current makeup's gonna be and it's Mark Alfalt. He can play off the ball. Um he's probably a capable enough handler to um and distributor to uh split a little bit of that time with Ben. Um he can guard your one uh and he's just really good. Um so it would be one and then um, yeah, go ahead. What do you got, Bill? So I had a little bit of difficulty with this because I, I think I want the Sixers to stay in number three, but I'm assuming a, a kind of more perfect scenario where the Sixers are able to trade up to the number one spot without giving up too much. I, I would like to take Fultz, but only if we don't give I'm not willing to give up too much to get him. Um, I think what well, is too much? I, I don't know exactly, but I, um, a lot of people I saw proposing trades on Twitter or wherever, a lot of it was too much for me. I like him a lot, but I also like Josh Jackson. I'll be fine taking him at three. I just think Fultz is probably the best player in this draft, and he can fit, like you said, in the one, or you can slide him over to two. I love that versatility. I don't want to take a guy that's just going to play point guard because I think Ben should be the point guard going forward. So that's why I like him, but I just I don't want to give up too much. That's all. Go ahead, Kev. What do you got? <laughs> well, I mean, I have too, so I mean, I, I completely agree with you guys um, that he'd be a great fit. And uh, I mean, my, my Sixers-centric board is not too much different um, than than my big board compared to probably what you guys have. What do you have it to, Shane? Um, it, it's it's kind of weird. Um, we're not picking two, and we're we would never trade up to two. It always seemed like we'd either, you know, we had the third pick. Everybody always speculates. I mean, Bill Simmons has been speculating on a Sixers trade up um, with absolutely no base. So I was always thinking, oh, I really wanted Fultz. And then what would we do at three? And I think people were really under the assumption that Lonzo Ball is going second to the Lakers. I don't, I mean, it's probably happening. Um, I don't think there's a non-zero chance, though, that he, um, he, that Lonzo falls. I so I think it would be between if if Lonzo falls to three I'm just gonna I'll go I'm gonna dive right into what I think the Sixers should do at three because I have no idea what these other teams are gonna do 
all of I know is Marco Fultz is the highest person on my board. And then at three, if, if Jackson's there, if you take Jackson, I can live with it. You guys, I mean, you, you guys have, have said it. Jack Jackson is a great, you know, save the shooting. Jack Jackson's a great prospect. If, if Lonzo falls to three, I think teams are really going to be, be calling the trade up. Um, he does have a lot of upside, and he's that type of player that could give you that star power that you need, and it's real remarkable, too. Um, we've talked about how the, the polarizing effect that he had. So um, I think if Lonzo falls to three, although I think Lonzo might be a decent fit on the Sixers, I think we'd be, we'd be better off using that as leverage to really get a good deal out of somebody um, a couple picks down. Okay, so I guess I'll just get into some similar discussion. I think that if the Sixers... If, if ball goes two, the Sixers should definitely take... If Fultz goes one, ball goes two, I think the Sixers should definitely take Josh Jackson. I, I wouldn't want to trade back, I don't think, for anyone else. That being said, I'm with you, Shane. If ball falls to three, I don't like him as a fit on the Sixers just because I think he's more of a pure point guard. And, and like mm-hmm. you were hinting at, I think teams would be willing to give up a whole lot to get him. So at that point, I'd, really, oh, yeah, I'd be willing to trade back for a number of different guys just because I think we would get a whole lot back. And we might be able to dump Oka for in the meantime so bill what about if the lakers say take fox so i or so jackson still be on the board would you trade back or take jackson in that case yeah absolutely which wait which one wait what, what are you saying <laughs> oh oh i i thought you said trade back to take jackson no one's going to trade up to take jackson at three is what the assumption i'm under so i thought you said that would i would i take Jackson or trade back. I would definitely trade back to take Jackson because I don't think Jackson's going at three. So I wouldn't be but worried it, about that. You I know? would assume he would go at four, though, so I don't think you're going to be able to trade back. Yeah, I guess if that's what we're talking about, again, I don't care. I would still... Uh, I would still trade ball just because I think you're going to get so much back. And then we can talk about a couple other guys that I like, and I would be okay with falling back to five or six or some other guys I like. I wouldn't want to fall too far back to seven or eight. Um, I only like about four or five guys for the Sixers. Um, after that, I probably wouldn't do it. Okay. If, we're talking, if we're talking trade up for Jackson, um, Phoenix needs a small forward. They need a wing player, and so does Orlando. Um, so if you're trading back at all and Jackson's the target for another team, um, Orlando's going to be the trade. Orla- um, it just, do they have enough to entice us to do it? Orlando, um, they have, I think, 49 Terrence Ross, um, but Phoenix needs a wing too. Um, wing Phoenix will take Jackson, um, but can you get something out of Orlando or... Um, and maybe another team. I think if Lonzo's there, I think we're, then you're looking at, okay, does Cuban want to make a run for him? Does New York want to make a run for him? Would Sacramento be willing to give 5 and 10? And it seems like Sacramento would definitely be an organization that would give away two top 10 lottery picks for the third overall pick. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I guess for me, 5 and 10. I, I I don't know if that's enough. Just that uh, for me, I, it's a lot. But in this draft, I just not really in love with anybody after like seven or eight. Um, it's like I said, there's only four or five guys even like for the Sixers in general. So I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently, but I'm not sure I would even do that unless I could get something more out of it. And the the number one thing I'd want to do, and maybe I'm just being too greedy, is I I probably want to try to get rid of Okafor while I'm at it. Well, maybe the Kings could throw in maybe like their 2019 first round pick. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh wait, they don't have 
They don't have that to give. <laughs> this would be a good year to have Hinky. I'm just, I'm just saying. I like, I like all years, but especially this year, I think there's things could happen. Um, all right. Well, let's move past this. I guess I, I we got a little mixed up there, but I think maybe we can talk a little bit about who we have. I guess let's assume that Fultz. Uh, well, Kev, first, I guess, because, yeah, because Fultz, Ball, Jackson, kind of me and Shane kind of talked about that. Would you take Ball if he's there at three? I don't know if we, you, you said that. I do. I have Isaac at three, technically. Um, yeah. But I, I like what you guys have um, of taking Ball and getting the team to trade for him. Okay. So, okay. So, assuming, let's, let's, from here on out, we'll, we'll assume that Fultz, Jackson, and Ball are out of the picture. Um, for some reason or another, the Sixers trade back, whatever. you saying Isaac's the next player you'd want them to take? Yep. What about you, Shane? Yeah, I, have a, yeah, I'm, um, I really like Isaac. Um, so let's, I'm, I'm assuming Fultz is going first. And for the sake of argument, Ball's going second. And then we're sitting there at third, and we have the option between Jackson and trade back. And I think that's probably the option that we're going to be faced with on that's the most likely scenario that we're going to be faced with on draft night. Um, I would look to trade back um, the trade backs. You're probably either going to go five or six. Um, and then um, like Kev said, Isaac's fine. I'm fine with Isaac. Um, I probably would put monk just, I have Isaac over monk on my big board, but I would probably go monk to the Sixers. Um, I would, Hey, if, if the Sixers took Monk at third, I'd be okay with it. So a trade back in Monk, I'm definitely okay with it. I'd put him a little bit over Isaac, but um, I like Isaac too. So I would look to trade. My move at three is look to trade back and take either Isaac or Monk. Sorry, Kev. Did you want to expand on the Isaac pick? No. I mean, we, we, we talked about it when we talked to Big Board. I just think, I mean, defensively, uh, he could fit well with any team, but especially Ben Simmons, I think. Uh, yeah, so for me, I, I like Malik Monk next, um, but I could go with Isaac also. I think if the Sixers take Monk at three, I wouldn't say it's a reach um, for them just because I think he fits well, but I think he's a reach overall because I think he could probably trade back and get him, although I think after the first two or three, it's it's although that's not completely predictable, it gets really, really unpredictable after that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd hate to see Malik and Isaac go off the board. That would really stink. But if, if we were able to trade back and get Monk, I mean, I, I, that's almost as good as getting Jackson for me, but just the trade back, it depends on what you get. And then obviously you're risking a whole lot of, a whole lot in there, but Monk and Isaac are definitely the next two for me. I just don't see Phoenix with Devin Booker and Yulis and their insane amount of old guards. And then maybe Sacramento, but I don't think Phoenix would take Monk. I think five or six is where you're looking at. You're either looking at taking away. You're coming away with at least one of them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I have Monk at four also. Uh, I mean, just to fit everything you guys said, um, I would not uh, – I wouldn't be excited if they took him at three, but I, I would understand it. Uh, but I think, like you guys said, you can get a trade offer and move back and still get Monk. Yeah, I wonder if um, I think we've seen this before, where sometimes teams take players for each other and trade afterward. Um, maybe that could be something that they could look into. Um, I guess outside of our top four, which again is for the Sixers, looks like the same four players in in varying orders, and we're 
a little different on what we'd be willing to do, but mostly similar, I think, mostly. Um, who do you guys have after Isaac for the Sixers if, if maybe we trade back to six and all those guys are gone or five? And I have Fox. Um, point guard needed, and uh, I mean, I don't like his uh, shot, but I'm hoping that uh, he'll be able to develop it. Shane? Smith. Smith. Um, only for the fact that I do think he's going to at least have a, a better mid-range game in the Fox. And I'm, I'm really all in on spacing um, right now. So I'd, I'd go Smith and then Fox right afterwards. I, I'm reaching a little bit here. I think I would go Tatum. I, I just... Oof. I really, I know, but I just don't want them to take a point guard. Uh, I think it would just be a waste. Um, I, I'd rather just take a chance on Tatum, see what he can turn into. Uh, he's definitely less right now, but I just, I really don't want a point guard that badly. What would you guys do after that? I have Ball and then Smith. So I, I have the point guards all five, six, and seven, and Fox, Ball, and then Smith in that order. I can definitely see the, 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 you don't want a, a point guard like Fox. Um, and, and although you reach with Tatum and it kind of kills me because I really don't like Tatum. Um, but I can see, no, I could definitely see the rationale. Um, Nick, Hey, I, I rather take my chances on a wing or, you know, four player than have a point guard who's just going to kind of, um, coincide with Simmons. Uh, I would go, I guess, Frank, Frank Milliken. At nine. Um, yeah, so I'm going to obviously go Fox next and then probably Smith after that. Uh, I, I might. This might be a curveball. Some people have this guy pretty high. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't have him that high on my regular board, but I, I just think Laurie Markkinen, I don't see much potential for him, but he is a seven-footer who can shoot from outside, and there's we don't really need many more playmakers he could be a guy that that Embiid could kick out to possibly and and Simmons could drive and kick to so you know a guy that can shoot from the outside that's also seven foot could be really dangerous um obviously he needs to get a little bit quicker and stuff but uh, he could be a potential fit in the long run um I just I just like him because he's tall and he could shoot a little bit that's all I will open my mouth if they take him you will what Throw up? I will throw up in my mouth if they take Lowry marketing. Too tall. Too tall. <laughs> you that low on him? Yes. Very, as low as possible. I'm like pretty below the floor. I'm pretty low on him, but uh, like I said, I, I don't really like anybody else. Um, he's not really even in my top 10 for uh, my overall big board, but I don't know. He just he's not going to do much other than like stand there and shoot and he's not going to start ever or anything like that but I think he could be useful so I had a re- I heard a really good point I heard like someone talk about it it was a really good point on marketing um and they said he so out of all the 7 foot shooters that we've seen like Porzingis has a good shot he's fucking humongous um uh Dirk Larry Marketing is the youngest really good 7 point like shooter that 7 foot shooter that we've seen um, so like they, re- some people really think he's just really going to be knocked out, um, depending on, so now his athleticism and, um, all that, you know, it has a lot to do with it, but he's probably, his shots definitely going to translate, um, what it translates into, um, containing like with the context of what else he is, who knows, but, uh, the shot looks like it's going to be good. 
So, Shane, I know you were talking a little bit before about um, us possibly trading back uh, and getting the 10th pick. Um, who did you want there? Uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, we, we, I think we talked about it right before um, we started the pod. Um, I saw earlier, six hours ago, I think it was Mark Stein actually put out that the Phoenix would be willing to, or not Phoenix, um, Sacramento would be willing to trade five and ten to get three and take Fox before he's taken by somebody else. Um, if that happened, um, I think you would have to go one guard, one wing, one, three, or four. Um, but I do like Donovan Mitchell if that happened, if we went like Isaac at five and then Donovan Mitchell at ten. Um, Donovan Mitchell looks like a kind of like um like a Dennis Smith-esque player, but he's a little bit bigger and he's a pretty good um, defender. He, he's pesky. Um, so although he might not have as much of a upside as Dennis Smith, he's got kind of has, he's the same kind of player with a, um, with a higher floor. So if we trade it back for five and 10 and end up taking Isaac and Donovan Mitchell, I'd be really excited about that. Take away. All right. So Kev has some interesting trades for us to go over, which I'm really excited about, but I just want to do two things before we get there. First, Kev, I have to hear your thoughts. I don't think you talked about him. The foreign kid. I don't know his name, Frank. I'm looking at it right now. I still don't know how to say it. What, what are your thoughts on him? I have to know. I believe it's Nilakina, right? Shane. Yeah. Tilakina or Nilakina. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's going to be a project. Um, he, he can not shoot from what I've seen. So I, and I, I think it's going to take a while, but I mean, his length and ability defensively, uh, I don't know if it's matched maybe by Isaac, but I, they're obviously they're two different positions, but I would say those two are the, the two best defensive prospects in the, in the draft. Okay. And that's even over Jackson, which I love. Yeah. I mean, I think, most people figure he's a, a project. I just wanted to see what skills you thought he had. Cause I mean, he is still pretty young. Um, and then the last thing I want to do before we get to the trades is Shane, I think you wanted to talk about um, uh, us calling each of us, making a call about what the biggest surprise on draft day will be. So I guess you can start out if you, if you have one. Uh, biggest surprise. Um, I think it's, it might be a surprise. It might not be, but I think it, it could lead to an even bigger surprise. And I don't think the Lakers are going to end up taking Lonzo. I think that would, I think they're going to be enticed by somebody like Fox, um, who is a real, like we said, you know, without that jump shot is he's, he, you know, he's a top prospect. Um, so I think, I think they're going to pass on Lonzo and then the Sixers are going to be faced with some uh, Lonzo Jackson or trade back. And I think that's way too much for Brian Colangelo to handle. And I think and who knows what the hell is going to happen after that. But when they pass on Lonzo, um, which is my bold prediction, um, we are going to be faced with a crazy decision and all hell will break loose. Kev? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's that bold, but I'll I'll say OG Ananobi and Harry Giles both get drafted in the lottery. Okay. No, it is. It is. It is a little bold. Um, I hope. So mine is actually, was actually the same as what Shane just said. Um, I feel pretty confident that the Lakers aren't going to do it. Um, but in the interest of the fact that you just did that, I think that people are underestimating um, the bet on the, the Celtics not trading back. I think there's a, there's a really good chance that they trade back. I'm not saying they're going to do it. 
Um, but I think with how good Fultz is, it's amazing, at least in my consideration of how much I think they're going to consider trading back. Um, but I guess it just, it just remains to be seen. Um, all right. So Kev, I guess it's, it's time for you to take over and, and give us some of your, your, uh, interesting trade proposals. All right. Well, I, I hope you live up to your expectations. I'll, I'll start with the most simple one. Okay. Um, and these aren't the, the usual ones that people are talking about. I, I know you guys have probably seen the Porzingis ones and all that. Um, but the I have simplest, been the biggest perpetrator of the Porzingis one. <laughs> I've been peddling. I've been peddling that since lottery day. <laughs> all right. So I'll start with the simplest one. Dennis Schroeder, the Sixers get Dennis Schroeder and they give up all four of their second round picks. You could start, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck it. <laughs> sure. Uh, we only have 15, we only have 15 uh, roster spots. I, it goes up a little bit with you know, the other players you're allowed to have up. But, um, yeah, no, fuck it. Whatever. Four, four second rounders. Um, I'm not stashing any more players. Yeah, I think we should try to get rid of some second-round picks. Uh, I think this is a little bit too much for Schroeder. I'm not the biggest fan of Schroeder. Um, he's good value to get back for four second-rounders. I think it's decent, but I think it's just a little bit too much. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to take four guys in the second round either. Don't get me wrong. I hope they package that for something, but I don't think I would do that. So, so Shane, you would do it, Bill? You want it? Yeah. All right, the next one... Uh, we'll go with the Suns. The Suns get the third pick, and the Sixers get Eric Bledsoe and the Suns' 2018 first-round pick. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, saw, I saw a tra- I saw a trade I saw a trade the other day, and it was I think it was like TJ and <sighs> TJ and Okafor for Bledsoe and uh, make another asset down the line. Um, yeah, I, I think, I guess I would do it. So the pick is unprotected, right? Yeah. 2018 unprotected. Our Sixers pick, not the Lakers pick, right? Uh, no, no, no. We're, we're only, we're, that's the Suns. Like the Sixers get the Suns first or er, first round pick. In oh, oh, they're definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So we, we moved back one spot. You're saying? No, we don't. We just get Eric Bledsoe and their next year's. Oh, oh, oh! I see. Um, that's tough. Yeah, I probably do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I figured. I figured you guys would take that one, and I. I think both of you will say no for this one, even though it gets rid of Okafor, which Shane loves. Um, the Sixers are actually. So I'll tell you what the Sixers give up. They give up the third pick overall, Furkan Korkmaz, the 2018. Lakers pick. Oh my god. And Julio Okafor for DeMar DeRozan. You're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um Furkan, Lakers pick third and Julio. A trash can. No. No, I think I I and I think it's the it's not the Furkan or Julio, although I'm I love the idea of Furkan being on the Sixers, and I love the idea of Okafor not being on the Sixers. Um, I don't think I could do. I don't think I would do three and um, the Lakers pick. I think that's a little too much for me. 
Yeah, I'm with Shane. Um, I don't care that much about Furcon. Um, Okafor does nothing for me either way. Uh, it's just too much draft pick. I'm not. DeRozan's really good. I'm just not high enough on him. I, I that would be really tough for me to turn down. Though I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Um, now this is one I think you'll both actually accept because I don't. I don't think uh, the Sixers are giving up enough in this trade. But they gave up the third pick, Luwalu, the 36 pick, and the 46 pick for Kemba Walker. Hmm. How's Kemba been shooting? I don't have his numbers. And I know he was an all-star last year. Ooh, all-star Kemba Walker? <laughs> Run the trade back one more time. Run it back, Kev, the trade. Oh, read the trade. It was the third pick, uh, Luwalu, the 36th pick, and the 46th pick for Kemba Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing it. I just pulled it up. Um, Shooting 44% from the field, 23 points a game, um, 40% from three on seven attempts. Um, I'm doing that. It probably might, it might not even be enough. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to say no. I hate point guards, yeah. in case you guys didn't hear that earlier. I don't want any. <laughs> and Kemba Shore, too. So. You like, want to keep all of your four second rounders and just take seven foot foreign people and just have <laughs> no small people <laughs> i mean i'm just i don't know man i just i do want to give it the second rounders but i don't want no six foot one point guard running around out there either so now bill just wants a thornwell and dozier to fall in the second round so that the six can take both of them hey this thornwell's I, trash but but pj dozier's i think could be pretty good yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, and all and all of our high school friends want us to probably take Josh Hart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the next trade, which Bill, you know, I had to get at least one Nuggets potential trade in here. Mm. Uh, the Nuggets get the third pick. The Sixers get Wilson Chandler, Emmanuel Mudiay in the thirteenth pick. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, um. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes to this one. Wow. I like Mudia. I'm gonna say no. I do not like Mudia. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Mudia is the, the tipping point there, which he is a point guard, so I'm surprised Bill likes him. He's six five though. Maybe you can shift him over to the two. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Moody, I, I don't, I, I think he's dumb. I don't, I think he's a get the ball. And then I'm, I've already just, I've decided 30 seconds ago, whether or not I want, I've wanted to pass or shoot the ball. And I, I don't want him on my team. Don't forget, he's only been in the league two years, and he's he's still only 21, probably 22 next year. I mean, he's young. He's got time to develop. I'm just saying. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and here's the last one. It's a, it's a three-team trade. Um, the, the Knicks trade up and get the third pick. The Wolves get... Carmelo Anthony in the 2018 Lakers first round Whoa. pick. And, then, and the Sixers get the seventh and the eighth pick and Zach Levine. 
So what did we give up? We yeah. gave up the third pick. Gave up the third pick and the Lakers pick next year, and you get the seventh, the eighth, and Levine. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% yeah. I don't know who says no, um, to be honest. Yeah, no, I don't think you can say no. I think you take you take a, a guard prospect, uh, a wing prospect, and you get Levine. Yeah. There, Sign me up. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, Levine is... Uh, like 21, I think, or 22. He averaged, I think, like 19 points per game last year. There's just no way but you can turn. How tall is he? He's six five, though. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. He's a little. Sh- he's be- a little. He's a little short, but he's on the short side. He'll have to play de facto point guard. <laughs> and the the Knicks get rid of Anthony and then move up five spots, and the the Wolves get their veteran Carmelo Anthony and the Lakers first round pick next year. I, I just don't. Ooh. I don't know who who, uh, who says no to that trade. Maybe you should propose it to these teams. Get get on Twitter, tweet at them. Tweet it to Bill. Uh, maybe maybe he'll tweet it out. So the Knicks are getting five spots just for getting rid of Carmelo. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and they yeah. get him off the book. That's a. They might have to, have to throw a kicker in there. But that's all I got for you guys. That's a good trade all the way around, though. I'm with you, Kev. Get on the subreddit. <laughs> see how see how Knicks fans feel. <laughs> all right. So, what do you guys know off the top of your head? What day the draft actually is? No. Twenty sixth. The Thursday. It's the last Thursday in June. All right. Uh, I just looked it up. It's June twenty second, two thousand seventeen. It's like seven seven p.m. But. Uh, that's probably just when it starts. Probably won't first pick till seven thirty or eight. Um, yeah, so it should be a really fun night for Sixers fans, other fans everywhere. Uh, something to look forward to if these NBA finals don't pan out to turn a little bit better. Um, I guess what we'll finish with is just um, if you want to make a, one last prediction on how we think the finals will finish out. I think I still think the Cavs win two games. So I think the Warriors are going to win in six. I'll say five. I think Cleveland wins one at home, and then Warriors uh, close it out in five. Uh, Cavs or Warriors in six. I thought you were still gonna go with the Cavs. You can't do it, can you? Uh, Warriors in six. Yeah, I cannot. I, I'm a beaten and broken man. How mad are you gonna be if they come back, though? Even more mad. I mean, last last year they won. They lost the first two games by sixty-five combined points or something like that. Um, and I, I went to Firefly and I didn't, I didn't watch a game again until game seven. Um, so I'll just, I'll never learn my lesson in doubting LeBron if they come back, but I don't, I don't see how that's possible. All right. Well, this has been a, a fun pick and roll podcast. Hopefully we can do another one soon. Maybe after the finals and after the draft is all done, we can recap both of those events but Shane thanks for being on with us and thank uh, you for having me guys yeah absolutely and uh, for Kevin McLernan I'm Bill Golden this has been the Pick and Roll Podcast and thank you for listening <laughs>